Never mind the hours of service, you can't ignore the need for sleep. I'm Jim Park, this is HTT Talks Trucking, Season 4, Episode 6. Truck drivers' lifestyles and work environments don't always complement their need for restful and restorative sleep. In an industry where much of the focus on sleep and fatigue is related to compliance, sometimes the need for proper sleep takes a backseat to the rules. This episode is about the importance of sleep, why we need sleep, and what happens to you when you don't get enough sleep. We'll also talk about some of the steps you can take to ensure you do get the sleep you need. My conversation with sleep specialist and best-selling author Dr. Chris Winter begins right after this. This episode is sponsored by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange, a unique networking event where fleet managers and suppliers connect and collaborate. HDTX 2021 takes place May 3rd, 4th, and 5th in Scottsdale, Arizona. Go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com to learn more. Dr. Chris Witter is a certified neurologist and an internationally recognized expert on sleep. He's been dubbed the Sleep Whisperer by Arianna Huffington. He's also one of the sleep consultants for the uh, L.A. Dodgers, who, of course, just scored the World Series victory for 2020. Uh, He figures that's about 98% of his doing. (laughs) He also runs a sleep clinic in Virginia, and he's a consultant to numerous professional sports teams and private companies. And he's the author of a best-selling book called The Sleep Solution, Why Your Sleep is Broken and How to Fix It. Chris, how are you, sir? Welcome to the program. Jim, I'm doing incredibly well, and I... uh appreciate the invitation. Hope you're doing well this, uh, as well. Yeah, it's a little early here for my taste, but uh, doing all right. So we're going to dig into a, a couple of several aspects of sleep here on, on the podcast. Most of it's going to focus around the driver's, truck driver's lifestyle and work environment, uh, including, you know, irregular sleep schedules and the challenges that uh, we face, you know, due to the regulations. And hopefully we can come up with a few strategies that you can help drivers get the sleep that they need. But first, Let's get, you know, the basics behind us. What What is sleep? What happens to us when we sleep? And what does sleep do for us? And what happens to us when we don't get enough sleep? Sure. So um, I would say a lot of things um, really, really, really happen. And I guess what I mean by that is if you just sort of pick an organ system, it's not too difficult to figure out a sleep-related issue that would affect it. So, I mean, I think that the things that most people think about, you know, cognitively, when individuals are not getting the sleep they need, we tend not to make great decisions. Um, I I think that individuals uh, tend to suffer a lot more decline in their thinking, in the short-term concentration, mood, focus, our ability to interpret the mood or the, the... the, the feelings of somebody that we're talking about, all these things become very impaired and problematic. Um, so I think a lot of people think about that. Um, cardiovascular effects are pretty common. Um, and I guess what I mean by that is um, hypertension, uh, risks of having heart attacks and strokes, all these things become problematic and, 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 and issues with individuals who are not getting enough sleep. But, I mean, you can go down the line, you know, in terms of uh, how we look, you know, lack of sleep tends to age our appearance. Um, so I always tell people that, you know, sleep, sleep loss is sort of like rust. It just kind of 
eats away at whatever you're talking about. And you know, I appreciate you mentioning the Dodgers and the 98%. I mean, it could be 97. I, this is not a scientific number. <laughs> but, you know, when you look at the, even athletic performance or your ability to not get injured or your ability to recover from illness or injury, um, all those things tend to become sleep-dependent too. So that's one of the wonderful things about sleep. I mean, name something and I, I bet I could link it to sleep. It's kind of like name an actor. I could link him back to Kevin Bacon, you know, within what, three or four steps. And sleep's kind of like that too. It's like five degrees of sleep problems can probably be linked to whatever you're thinking about. In trucking, the, the catch-all phrase for anything to do with sleep and restfulness and duty cycles and what have you is, is fatigue. Um, I, I've always had a bit of a problem with that. Maybe you can straighten a few things out for me here. Um, I prefer to, word, to use words like tired or sleepy or drowsy. Uh, are they interchangeable with fatigue? Or I know they're not very clinical terms, but is there a difference between quote-unquote fatigue and some of those other terms I used? I, I think so. It's interesting that you've thought about this because I, I think this is a very important concept particularly when things start to go poorly for an individual and they need to talk to somebody about it because I think the words that we use matter. And so the way I would think about all those words you sort of threw out is that they all fall under an umbrella term that we use, which would be tired. So mm -hmm. if I'm sitting down having, having a, uh, sharing a coffee with a, with a truck driver and the driver says that he's tired a lot. The first thing that I want to do is to try to delineate when that individual is saying tired, does she mean that she feels a sense of low energy? And what I would mean by that maybe would be um, you're running a 26-mile race, a marathon, and you get to mile you know, 21 and you quit. And somebody says, why'd you quit? You were only five miles away. You might say, well, I was too tired. You know, it was a pretty hilly course. I just didn't have the energy to finish it. My, 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 my legs felt like they were hollow. Um, now, that's different than the individual saying, I could barely keep my eyes open. And I did lay down at one point around mile marker 17 in the middle of the road and took a nap. But I was just too tired to finish the race. So some people think of tired as being what you were describing as fatigue. So I would describe fatigue as the individual who didn't have the energy to fi finish the race. I would describe sleepy as being somebody who is driven to sleep. Um, I was in church and I sat down and the next thing I know, um, the person next to me was poking me, waking me up because I'd fallen asleep and was making snoring sounds that was bothering people in the congregation. Like th Those are two very different things and have two very different etiologies or causes. So I think it's important to figure that out because it leads to a lot of problems. In other words, if somebody is fatigued, you know, they get home from work or they get home from driving and they are too tired to fold a load of laundry, you know, you might think, well, I'm so tired, I'm going to go to bed. And so when that individual goes to bed, he climbs up into his rack, and he might say it took him two hours to fall asleep. And that might be really frustrating to him. Well, he went to bed not because he was sleepy, he went to bed because he was fatigued. And, and when you don't 
and I always tell people when you're fatigued, rest. When you're sleepy, go to bed. And when you start to cross those wires, bad things can happen, not to mention the fact that we start struggling to figure out what the problem is because we're kind of going down the wrong path. Sleepiness is easy. If you're exceptionally sleepy, if you're falling asleep during this podcast, it's from one of two reasons. You did not get enough sleep last night or the sleep you got is problematic. There's something dysfunctional about your sleep. If you're fatigued all the time, you know, even when you're not running 26-mile 20, races, that list of things that can cause fatigue is a mile long. In fact, I just did a presentation at the biggest military base in the world, and I had a slide that had a cause of fatigue for every letter of the alphabet. It wasn't that hard to come up <laughs> with one. So, wow. And that's important because you know I, I talk to patients all the time. They're like, well, I went to see my doctor because I've been fatigued, and and the doctor ran some tests and didn't find anything. I'm like, what tests did they run? Well, they checked my testosterone, checked my thyroid, and checked my B12. I'm like, okay, well, that's three of like a million things that could be causing you to feel fatigued. So um, when it comes to a fatigue workup, don't give up at three. There's lots more things to look at. Well, in my driving days, and I'm sure a lot of other drivers would sort of agree with this assessment, you can get up in the morning, go in and have breakfast after a night's sleep, uh, hit the road, and within an hour or two, a couple of hours, uh, you're feeling drowsy. Uh, not tired necessarily, but you're, you know, you're having trouble focusing and your eyes might be, you know, dipping a little bit. So the obvious inclination is pull over and have a little nap or get out and walk around or something. How would you define the difference between that kind of drowsiness versus being sleepy or tired? So to me, you know, if I were a driver, I would definitely want to sleep more in the eve or I'm sorry, drive more in the evening because I think it'd be probably easier driving in terms of traffic, but I'm just I have a hard time being really awake in the morning. I'm much more of a night-oriented person. So, you know, somebody who says I you know, slept well, I got up, had some breakfast, got on the road, and within an hour or two is already starting to feel a little drowsy. One thing to kind of consider is that individual's chronotype, meaning that chronotypes are where we use to sort of formally describe whether somebody's a night owl or a morning person. Um, but if somebody, you know, but another factor could be that even though you had slept for, you know, seven or eight hours, you know, an individual gets up, has breakfast, and is immediately wanting to go back to sleep, you know, could there be a, some dysfunctional sleep that was going on? So the quantity of your sleep is there but maybe the quality isn't so great and that and that leaves you wanting more sleep even after you've only been awake for an, you know, an hour or two. So, so many things to kind of think about with that. Yeah. So quantity, uh, you mentioned the difference between quantity and quality. Merely spending eight hours or 10 hours uh, off duty and in a sleeper in the bunk uh, is not necessarily the same as getting a good number of hours of, of uh, solid restorative sleep. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that that's really important um, because I think we do tend to, um, I don't know, sort of um, judge our sleep sometimes solely by numbers, good or bad. I got eight hours, so I'm great. I got six, I'm terrible. I got 12, I'm amazing. Um, and, and to some degree, those things might be true, but I think the bigger issue with some of those things are 
like what you said, is the quality good? I eat, you know, three square meals a day. Great. What does the meal consist of? Mainly cupcakes. Well, that's not good. You know, that's, that, <laughs> that's probably not going to lead to a healthy and robust life. Um, so you, you do need to ask a little bit more than, you know, how much sleep you are getting, although that's often a great place to start with uh, when it comes to somebody like a truck driver. Um, and then you could throw in there sort of consistency. I'm getting eight hours of sleep a night, or I'm getting eight hours of sleep every 24 hours. Great. When do those eight happen? Well, they're all over the place. Or, you know, uh, 11 to 7, every day since I was a kid kind of thing. Um, consistency of sleep is extremely important. And, um, you know, when people look at sleep problems and health, um, that, that, that can be an issue. You know, somebody who's done sort of more shift work kinds of issues all of their life versus somebody who was the accountant and showed up to work every morning at seven and, you know, I'm sorry, got up every morning at seven and work at nine, home by five and bed by 11 every day. Um, you know, there's real health consequences to that sort of sporadic schedule, even if the amounts are correct. Um, and so trying to, you know, create consistency as much as possible, I think we're finding out is, 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 is very important. And frankly, that's what I'm doing with a lot of teams I work with. I work a lot with the military, with corporations. Hey, we've got this massive fleet of truckers and here's how we arrange their schedule. This is what we need. This is what we do. Do you see ways we could make this more efficient, more healthy for our drivers, etc.? You know, there's a, there's a big there's a big need for those types of things in all of those different fields of employment. We're talking today with Chris, Dr. Chris Winter. He's a neurologist and an internationally recognized sleep expert. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some of those uh, problems stemming from irregular sleep. We'll also get into the dangers of acute and chronic sleep deprivation and some of the benefits of taking a good old nap. I'm Jim Park. This is HDT Talks Trucking. Stay with us. HDT Talks Trucking is brought to you by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange, a relationship-building event hosted by Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine. HDTX is loaded with topical discussions and learning opportunities with some of the most innovative people in the business. HDTX 2021 takes place May 3rd, 4th, and 5th in Scottsdale, Arizona. Managers of Class 7 and 8 fleets apply now to be our guest at HDTX 2021. To learn more and to apply, go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com. We're back with uh, Dr. Chris Winter. And Chris, one of the problems with the... uh, current hours of service rules that we have in trucking for drivers is that they often force drivers to sleep at times when they aren't particularly tired or ready to go to sleep. And sometimes they force drivers to keep working at times when they should be sleeping. And that situation can probably apply to anyone who does shift work. But uh, some of driver's schedules are even more irregular than what people like you probably find in the uh, shift work lexicon. So what are the dangers of irregular sleep schedules and how can drivers cope with that and make the best of the uh, opportunities they have for a good night's sleep? Yeah, so so the the dangers really stem from the idea that there's nothing that our brains do accidentally. And so we talk a lot about circadian rhythms. And and what I mean by circadian rhythm is basically 
Um, when does your body temperature rise and fall? When do you secrete testosterone and when do you not? Um, when do you feel alert and ready to drive a long distance and when do you feel tired? But there's a, you know, everything our bodies are doing inside are on a clock. And so what happens with a truck driver who is driving all around the clock, like if you ask them, when do you go to bed, when do you wake up, when do you drive, when do you rest, and they can't answer the question because every day is different, if you peer deep inside that individual's brain and body, you're going to see all these other processes, digestion, metabolism, cognition, are all going to be sort of haphazard as well too. And so there was a paper that came out many years ago that said something, it was the, the name of the paper was something like the carcinogenicity or the cancer causing effects of paint fumes, burning materials, and shift work. And I always thought that was the craziest <laughs> title. Like if you look up at the marquee yeah. and you're sharing the marquee with burning materials and paint fumes, that's probably not a great place to be. And and so what the what the article essentially said was that shift work is cancer causing. And it's probably because the things that we have in our body that sort of prevent cancer that those mechanisms break down when we're sleeping all over the place our bodies just don't know what to do and when to do it so to answer your question yeah there's a lot of negatives that go along with that so you know i think the intelligent truck driver is going to look at what he or she has to accomplish what the job requires and then in terms of the margins and the wiggle room, what can we do within the boundaries of what's you know, okay with your employer and what's legal and, and make sure we're doing everything we can to give your brain the best chance it can, you know, it can have to be healthy. But yeah, I mean, you know, I've talked to truck drivers and, and people that you know, when I ask them, hey, what time do you wake up? What time do you go to bed? You know, 30 minutes later, they're still explaining to me the answer to that question, um, you know, those are some very difficult situations to, to be in. Indeed they are. Uh, and they produce consequences. We call them uh, sleep deprivation. You know, we have the acute type, which is like not getting enough sleep one night. And then you have the chronic sleep deprivation, which means you're, you know, long-term uh, always tired. Uh, what about people who, like me, have been you know, acutely sleep deprived every night for such a long time that we're chronically acutely sleep deprived. Uh, you know, how deep into that hole can we go? We can go quite deep, Jim. That 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 hole does not have a bottom, I don't think. So, I mean, I, and I think you're exactly right. I I think a lot of times the lay person thinks about the acute situation with a, with a truck driver, you know, as you're passing that truck, is that driver in there awake enough to operate safely? I think a lot of the laws that get passed are aimed at mitigating acute deprivation. But, you know, you could make a pretty strong argument that it's the chronic sleep loss or sleep disruption that really takes its toll. I mean, certainly... Acute sleep loss can do it. You can put your truck into a telephone pole quite easily. Um, 
but the chronic I think we don't pay as much attention to and it creates a culture of well I got my five hours I'm I'm good to go you know if I get if, Dr. Winner if I can get my five I'm fine you know five five hours and a good cup of coffee and uh, I'm great and you know, it's not just truck drivers to say those kinds of things. I had a guy who flew all the way from California to Virginia to see me. He was a kind of a Silicon Valley guy who goes to bed at midnight and looks at stock market stuff up at four o'clock in the morning with his private, you know, triathlon coach. And I'm like, man, you're only getting four or five hours of sleep a night. He's, oh yeah, well if I get four or five hours, I'm good. And I'm like, well, I said, yeah, you're going to be good until you're 51 and die of a heart attack, and nobody's going to be able to figure it out because you were so healthy. And he did triathlons and this and that. I said, just because you can do it does not mean that you should. So I, I think that you know we're really working hard to try to figure out not only ways to to move around these kinds of problems, but you know treatments. So there's treatments for individuals who are shift workers. You know medical treatments that can be life saving. Um, I think that sometimes the government starts to interfere with these types of things and tries to pass laws. Well, we're not going to allow truckers to go more than X number of hours without taking at least a mandatory you know, why minute or hour break. And, you know, we kind of went through that when I was in residency. When I was a doctor, they didn't have duty hour restrictions. And then when I was a chief resident in neurology, they said, well, you know, you can't do these every other night calls anymore. It's it's too dangerous. You know, okay, that's fine. So they restricted our hours, but they didn't give us any more people to do our jobs. So that didn't make any sense. And so, you know, I often (laughs) talk to drivers and you think that, you know, these kinds of rules that are passed to protect the driver would be great, but it's amazing the consequences and problems some of these duty hours create um, because they're not particularly well thought out, etc. And so, um, you know, it doesn't take into account chronotype. Like, I'm a much more dangerous driver in the morning than I am at night, but if you're doing things that restrict my ability to drive at night, are we really making things that much safer for me and for the person who's all on the road when I'm driving? So, you know, it, it's we're in the phase now, Jim, I think, where we're recognizing these things. I think the drivers and the employers and the government are all aware of it. I just don't think we've maybe come up with the most refined solutions to some of these problems yet. Well, the hours of service regulations are a pretty blunt instrument when it comes to addressing the needs, especially individual needs. But if you tried to create a rule that would accommodate uh, either of those two sleep types, you'd have a rule that was technically unenforceable. It would just be a nightmare. So, I mean, you know, for all the good that the rules do, apparently, um, there are still some limitations to them. But one of the strategies I guess drivers can employ is napping. When I was driving, I was a big fan of napping, but I was always afraid that I would, uh, you know, dive in the bunk for 15 minutes or sleep over the wheel and then not wake up because I was, you know, chronically sleep deprived. So I started paying attention to my naps and, and the amount of time that I could nap and wake up feeling relatively restored versus all groggy and stupid. And I don't know how, how true this is. I've never asked a sleep expert about it per se, but... Is there something going on when you nap, when you're like really, really tired that as soon as you close your eyes and say, okay, I'm going to have a nap for some period of time, you descend deeper into your sleep phase faster so that it becomes harder to wake up and you have to kind of shorten the length of your nap so that you can 
still wake up before you get to that deep stage? Or what's the physiology of napping and how can drivers kind of monitor their own needs and, uh, and not run the risk of not waking up when they lay down for a few minutes? Yeah, it's an interesting concept and, and it's definitely something that we see a lot. So, you know, to me, napping is 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 good um, for most people, particularly for truckers. I think you have to be careful with napping if somebody's saying, look, I go to bed every night at 10 o'clock and it takes me four hours to fall asleep. So I often nap during the day to make up for my lost sleep at night. That's probably not a great idea that the, the napping in that situation might actually be perpetuating your problems with falling asleep at night. But for a truck driver, you know, to me, napping is a very important strategy for playing by the rules, making sure that you're safe and that your truck is safe. Um, so to me, you know, the strategies often include, A, making sure that you've got a sense of what sleep will tend to refresh you and won't make you feel groggy. So what you're describing is something we call sleep inertia or sleep drunkenness, yep. where an individual sleeps a longer period of time and tends to feel groggy afterwards because what's happened is instead of just sort of skirting into the you know the a lighter stage of sleep you've started to descend into a deeper stage of sleep and then tried to awaken from that so most people think that you know a 20 minute nap is probably perfect and i've had a lot of people tell me athletes tell me oh you know doctor i can't sleep for 20 minutes i've got to sleep for 3 hours if i wake up after 20 minutes i don't i don't, I don't feel great and napping, to some extent, is a skill. So for, for some people, what they find is if you can schedule the nap, if you can get on the road at 6 a.m. and be taking your nap every day at, say, 11.30, um, the scheduling of the nap can really make the impact of it so much better, meaning that every day you take your nap from 11 to 11.30. And that way your brain, once again, we're back to the circadian rhythm, is starting to anticipate something. Every day this guy has a cup of coffee at 6 o'clock in the morning and a bagel. Every day he takes a little nap between 11 and 11.30. Every day he eats his lunch between 12 and 12.30. Every day he tries to get some exercise around 4 in the afternoon. If you can build in these little time cues to our schedule, which, by the way, have gone completely out the window for the average person during COVID, <laughs> it really makes that nap, that shorter nap, much more impactful. And and, and to, to, to answer your question specifically, most people think that a 20 to 25-minute nap is the perfect amount to actually get rest and restoration, but not dive too deeply into deep sleep and, and create that inertia. So the other way to, to to really create that to prevent that grogginess is to have a bit more of a plan for the end of a nap. So you climb back into the, your truck, you take your twenty minute nap, the alarm clock goes off. Rather than immediately getting behind the wheel and starting to drive, it might be a great idea for that person to exit the cab, get outside in the sunlight, maybe jog around your your truck two or three times, or walk around or whatever do some push-ups, you know, go around, check the air pressure in your tire. Just do something that's physical and in light immediately. It's also a great time to get a little something to eat. So if you always terminate your nap with a couple crackers or an apple or something of that nature, what starts to happen is your brain starts to understand that when you go from that nap to eating, warming your body by walking around, doing something physical, go out and do it, you know, 
20 push-ups or something like that, um, and you're in the light, your body's warming up, all those things tend to help you shake off the effects of that nap much quicker. So it's not just when we wake up in the morning that we should, you know, start our day, you know, with these types of things, but anytime we go from sleeping to awake, we want to think about our body temperature, light, food, social interaction. That's a great time to give your 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 wife or your husband or your friend a call, call your mom. Hey mom, you know, I'm just you know, heading up to wherever and just wanted to give you a call and hope you have a good day. Like all those things tend to really help us get the most out of our sleep. You talked earlier about the uh, Silicon Valley guys who were getting four hours a night and doing quite well, they thought. Uh, a lot of drivers will say, you know, they can sleep five or six hours uh, and they're good to go, but the rules require them to, you know, lay still for eight hours or 10 hours in some cases. Can you train yourself to sleep longer or, or what do you do in a situation like that where you're looking at those two or three hours uh, wasted time, not sleeping, but still forced to sit there and wait? Is there some way you can work uh, a better sleep pattern into those schedules? That, that, that's a really interesting question. Um, one of the things that we often tell people is do not judge success or failure in the bedroom or maybe in this case the cab by unconsciousness. So the answer to your question is no. If you are somebody who genetically needs six and a half hours of sleep, you can't, you can't sleep eight. But that genetic need for sleep we all carry around is pretty set in stone. Now, when somebody says to me, five hours and I'm good to go, there's really two different groups there. One group is the group that needs seven but can deal with five effectively. Um, you see a lot of those people in trucking. You see a lot of those people in medicine. You see a lot of those people in the military. I'm definitely one of those people that can certainly deal quite well with an insufficient amount of sleep. Other people cannot. In fact, we used to call it horsepower in residency. Oh my gosh, I'm on call with Mark. That dude's got no horsepower. I'm on call with Anna Marie. That girl's got some horsepower. Like, and what that meant was at four in the morning, you know, is the individual like slowing you down or are they helping you when the ER is hopping? So, so it's important to understand that if you're somebody who can get by with four hours and do quite well, that's great for your career. It's probably not good for your health, meaning that just because you can doesn't mean you should. Now, if you truly are a five and a half hours, six hour sleep person, and they exist, who cannot get more than that because that's what they were genetically inclined to do, that means that if they get six hours, that's the healthy amount of sleep that their body needs. So if you have a rule that says they have to sleep eight, that's fine if you want to create that rule. But you are essentially going to mess that person up by telling them to try to sleep for eight hours because they can't, you know. So, so what I would say to a group that was under that kind of uh, restriction would be, again, don't judge success or failure of your time in that cab by wakefulness, or I'm sorry, by sleep or unconsciousness. Um, I would tell the individual, look, sleep your six or six and a half hours. And then if the rule says you got to be in there for eight, just rest for eight. You know, resting is extremely restorative to a body. 
Um, you know, so meditating, if you uh, believe in higher powers, it's a great time to pray. Um, or even just reading or doing quiet activities in a relatively dark environment can be really, really impactful. But I, I would tell that truck driver, please don't try to sleep or don't feel like you're less healthy or you're more prone to have problems because you only sleep six and a half versus your buddy who sleeps eight. Eight is not necessarily better than six if six is what you require. But if you're getting six and feeling like, you know, it's hard to keep your eyes open and you're at a, I knew a truck driver who'd roll his hair up into his window. So if he fell asleep, it'd jerk his hair and keep him awake. I mean, if that's who you are, yeah, let's try to work on getting you more than whatever you're getting. But, you know, for all the people out there who get six and a half and feel great and struggle to nap and struggle to make it through eight hours of uninterrupted sleep, that doesn't mean you're not healthy. I'm sure a lot of drivers will be happy to hear that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, it, well, it's funny. I was just talking to a woman the other day, and she was 71 years old or 74, I can't remember. And, you know, she was re. She, everybody out there who's listening to this is getting bombarded with information that says, you better get your eight hours of sleep or you're going to die. I mean, that's essentially the message we're putting out there. And to some degree, that's true. If you're an average person and the average person needs eight hours, then on average, we should be getting eight hours to lead our healthy lives. So, But we're ignoring all the people who are not average, who need six hours or seven hours, and they are incapable of getting eight. So we're essentially setting those people up to fail and feel badly about themselves. If you're listening to some doctor tell you you need eight hours of sleep at night, but you're genetically inclined to get six and a half and that's it, you're suddenly failing when it comes to sleep. And that's going to create its own set of circumstances and problems where you're trying to go to bed and get your eight hours of sleep and you can't fall asleep. And now you're taking sleeping pills to get your eight hours of sleep, which doctors are more than willing to give people, it seems. And this really sends people down a very dark path. We've got a few minutes left here, uh, Dr. Winter. Could you basically give us a couple of tips or pointers on... uh on how drivers can make the best of their opportunities for sleep? Sure. So, I mean, I, I, would, I would say, you know, like we were talking about before, really focusing on consistency as much as possible. And even if you're saying, well, you know, I can be consistent five out of the seven days, but these other two days, my schedule's going to really be flip-flopped. You know, thinking about meal timing, exercise, social interaction for a truck driver light is extremely important. So if you're a truck driver who says, look, you know, the biggest problem with shift work kind of situations is exactly what you said earlier. Okay, it's four in the afternoon. You need to go to sleep now because you're going to pick up your rig at three in the morning and go. So to get your seven, eight, six, whatever hours, you need to go to bed now. But you've been off for a couple days on a more normal schedule just to, to say to a brain, hey, it's four in the afternoon, we need to sleep for the next six or seven hours is really difficult. Um, so, you know, planning these things out um, and not always relying on drugs to make that happen can be really important. Light, uh, focusing on light can be exceptionally helpful when it comes to sleep. So if I need, today is Friday, if for some reason I need to go to bed at four o'clock this afternoon to sleep, maybe around lunchtime, 
you put on some, you know, these blue blocker glasses or at lunchtime, I, I go into my bedroom, turn off a bunch of lights and read for a little bit. You know, light is a, is a big enemy when it comes to our sleep when we're shift workers. So focusing on that temperature is another big one. You know, if, so if I'm driving, uh, I'm going to pull over in an hour to sleep, you know, starting to drop the temperature inside the cab can be a nice prelude to helping somebody fall asleep a little bit easier. Um, uh, if you're not hungry for lunch at lunchtime, which is when you typically eat, could I convince you to eat a couple crackers or half of some sort of you know nutrition bar just to give your brain the signal that, hey, I'm just not that hungry for lunch, but this is the lunchtime because here's some food I'm going to put in, you know, rather than just having meals kind of all over the place. Exercise could not be more important for a shift worker. And I know it's really difficult to get when you're on the road, but you can get one of those little rubber bands with the handle on it. And, you know, when you pull over before you, before you sleep or after you sleep, you take your nap wrap, nap, you go out there and hook that little rubber band on the back of the, the bumper and do some little curls and, and, you know, bench press and things like that, or, you know, right there on the road, if you need to just even for five or 10 minutes can make a huge impact in terms of people's sleep and scheduling. And I think when all else fails, um, talk to somebody about sleep. You know, it's interesting when you, if you had knee pain, yeah, you might go to the Walgreens or the Dwayne Reed and get yourself a knee brace. You might ice it or you might take a few days off of your your jogging or your running with you, that you do with your partner or whatever. Uh, but eventually, if that pain didn't go away or got worse, you'd go see an orthopedic specialist or at least talk to your primary care doctor. But when it comes to sleep, I think a lot of people just feel like Talking about sleep's lazy. There's nothing the doctor can do. I've tried sleeping pills and they don't work. Um, you know, there are sleep specialists out there um, that really have a lot of great tools and techniques uh, for 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 individuals who are struggling with their sleep um, that don't necessarily involve a sleep study or elaborate uh, investigations. And and so just kind of keep that in mind if you're somebody who's been struggling. Just know that, you know, there's a bunch of us out there who are ready to help, um, you know, so, you know, read my book and if that doesn't help, go find a sleep specialist near your area and and, and, and he or she, I'll bet, will make a huge difference in terms of the things that you're struggling with. We've been talking with Dr. Chris Winter. He's a neurologist and a sleep expert. His book, The Sleep Solution, Why Your Sleep is Broken and How to Fix It, Probably should be on every driver's reading list and certainly on their Christmas list this year. You can get that book on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, Walmart. It's all over the place, easy to get and well worth it. Uh, he also runs a clinic and a consulting business uh, called Charlottesville Neurology and Sleep Medicine. He's located in Charlottesville, Virginia. Chris, thanks for uh, spending this hour with us. I sure appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome. And just and you can also get it on Audible. So if you really find my voice pleasing and soothing and you'd like to drive down the road in your truck and listen to me talk to you about sleep for the next 13 hours, you can you can get it on Audible and listen to it instead of reading it. So there's another option for you. A perfect solution for the driver. Yeah. All right, Chris. Well, thanks again, my friend. Nice to talk to you. Hey, it's my pleasure. You have a great day. And it's really, really nice to, 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 to talk to your audience. HDT Talks Trucking is sponsored by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange. HDTX 2021 takes place May 3rd, 4th, and 5th in Scottsdale, Arizona. 
Go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com to view the agenda and apply to be our guest at HTTX 2021. If you're new to the podcast, please subscribe so you won't miss another episode and please leave us a comment or a review while you're at it. If there's something you'd like us to cover here on HDT Talks Trucking, just drop me a line and we'll see what we can do about getting something on air for you. You can reach me at jpark at truckinginfo.com. HDT Talks Trucking is produced by Deb Lockridge, recording and audio production by Jim Park. Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine is published by Bobbitt Business Media. I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.